0: hello there you're listening to the watson's daily podcast with me peter watson on wednesday the 11th of may today i am joined by watson's Daily subscriber sam fernandez for a bit of a chat hi there sam how are you today hi peter very well thanks how are you all very good, all very good. Um, I'm, I'm very excited today because I'm going to London. I uh, haven't been there for quite a while. Um, and I'm going to see... Um, I am going to see Ralph. So any of the podcast listeners who are... Um, you know, who listen to the, the weekend one, um, I'm going to see Ralph. I have not seen him in person for about three years. So I'm really looking forward to it. Um, so I might do a little, you know, little video to say hello or something. Uh, and... Then later on today, hopefully, I am also seeing Jake Shogger um, of Commercial Law Academy. So um, all, it's all going to be a good day state, I feel. Uh, but it's even better because now I'm talking to you, Sam, right? <laughs> now that's, that's like, this is great, right? So, um, so um, uh, anyway, so what, what, uh, what story would you like to talk about today?
1: And at least this is indoor and you're not getting swamped by the rain. That's uh, uh, right, exactly. Sounds great. So yeah, so today... I was particularly interested in the story about FIFA and electronic arts. as They are set to separate for um, after the release of FIFA 2023 for the first time after over 20 years, as they cannot agree certain licensing fees. Um, So just for a bit of background, EA Sports video game has over 20 billion dollars in game sales alone over um, 20 years and 1.2 billion annually is um, generated from the ultimate team via in-app purchases. So FIFA and EA have an incredibly historic relationship and it's big news that they're set to separate. Um, And there are key issues here. Some of them are financial, some of them aren't. But uh, before we get into
0: that, what do you think about this, Peter? Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you know, it's it's well, uh, let's be honest, I don't find this that interesting. You know, I was going to say it is interesting. I find this is I think this is quite a, you know, um, it's I don't know. I, I suppose I'm not a mate. I'm, I'm going to confess here. I'm not a major football fan. Right. I do feel there's a lot of corruption and stuff going on in the game. Um, but I think that this is this is interesting from the point of view that it's a historic relationship that is, um, uh, you know, is is now come off as now come off the boil. Um, and I I don't know. I don't know because obviously you don't know both sides um, as to whether FIFA has been greedy and asked a lot or or what. Um, I don't know because they do have form in that kind of thing. Mm. Um, but um, but ultimately, um, I think that Electronic Arts has possibly the upper hand. But I think you you. I mean, you know more about this than I do, though, don't you? I mean, in terms of the who's signed up and how many teams they've got and all that kind of stuff
1: yes so i mean i I did used to play fifa in my junior years yeah i say say junior i'm still junior but uh, (laughs) and i I can't i can't confess i was any good but in effect what's happened is that fifa want to double the license fee so the Mm. use of the name fifa on ea sports um games to 150 million dollars from 75 million and fifa also want less exclusivity on the agreements involved so Mm. fifa obviously want to scale their licensing with other new partners and developments Using the same FIFA brand, which EA Sports thinks because they're paying such a significant amount of money, they mm. don't think that's fair. Um, yeah. So in effect, EA wants the lowering of these licensing fees, but EA also wants to increase innovation in the game, whether that's mm. by NFTs, sort of user generated content, or actual game highlights. And I think FIFA, prior to this um, this disband this disbandment, were um, were restricting that. So actually, it seems that EA Sports may have the be better of this um, of this separation but obviously the question is will consumers move away from FIFA as a game
0: itself just mm. because it's not called FIFA anymore yeah because I mean I suppose and uh, I do I am aware because I'm sorry I'm not a gamer um, and uh, but you know I do remember that um, purists um, used to prefer would, would always say um, that Pro- Evolution soccer or pez um, as you reliably informed me before this. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, pro, I know that Pro, pro Evolution Soccer um, was seen to be the, the better game, um, but then it had weird names for, for teams and things like that because of the licensing issues. And I just wonder whether now, you know, whether Electronic Arts just has, you know, is, is in, a, in a better you know, position of power on this kind of thing. Mm. So there's been a historic debate, as you say, between PES and EA Sports as
1: to which game has the most subscribers, the most users. Yeah. Um, and interestingly, EA Sports have separate deals with 300 leagues, mm. which obviously includes the clubs within those leagues globally and UEFA, which mm. suggests that the, and, and, and actually we've seen on Twitter. Um, and various other social media platforms that clubs such as Liverpool and Real Madrid have mm. published their support of EA Sports and said mm. that they will continue to use the game as it moves to be called EA, um, EA Sports FC and not FIFA. So mm. I think the fact that EA Sports has these individual agreements um, and the fact that I, I don't personally think consumers will not select an, or opt to play FIFA just because the name has changed, mm. given that the in-game dynamics um, will remain the same, and the way the games functions i don't think we will see a significant uptake in pairs or a significant move of consumers away
0: from the game itself mm. i mean i think that um uh, you know from a commercial standpoint uh i think that this it shows a lot of potentially shows a lot of confidence from electronic arts you know i mean it is it is the the you know for obviously very well known for its sports franchises um, and I think, you know, these kinds of things are, go- this kind of power is going to be important if we are going to move more towards this, um, On um, you know, um, uh, gaming. Um, uh, uh, oh, I'm trying to think of the phrase, you know, where you, it's like pro gaming, you know, where people actually. Oh, yes, you know, uh, uh, e- e-sports, to- esports. Yeah, esports, that's the one, yeah. So, um, so I think that, um, you know, it's, in, in, the, in the world of esports, if you've got electronic arts being the premier name, then, you know, it's in a better position, I would argue, than, say, FIFA is. Um, mm. Because now, you know, it's not just football, it's all these other sports as well. Um, and as long as it doesn't sort of lose um, out on those kinds of things, then um, I would have thought it would be quite well placed. So I think this, this would suggest to me confidence of electronic arts, um Mm. over you know its capabilities and and
1: this this case this example isn't to say
0: that EA and FIFA cannot work together in the future Mm -hmm. um
1: that there have been suggestions that the World Cup game mode which is obviously affiliated to the FIFA name Mm. will potentially be allowed to be used in the um preceding issues of um and and games of of EA and and, and FIFA itself Mm. so you know this isn't to say this is the end of the relationship but this is just clearly a a time where two historic and, and very large corporations have different mm. ideas about where they, they see the game in the future and moving forward. And they mm. unfortunately haven't been able to settle at a, at a um at a significant compromise. So mm. um I mean I think this is this is only the start of this story. Um and, and we, we'll see how it develops um
0: over the coming weeks and months. Indeed. Yes, it was all good. Right. So um I thought I I'm gonna, you know, be incredibly wild um today and talk about two. Uh, two stories um so we go from electronic arts to electronic art do you see what i did there <laughs> um sorry um is yeah that's really bad like i say dad joke there apologies but it's okay because i have a dad so that's fine um there was a you know financial times article about um board ape yacht club or the actually more um, precisely the company behind um this uh this collection of uh, digital art um and what they are talking about is building an open metaverse called other side um and what that's going to do is it, the idea is is not only um characters from its own um nft yeah uh, its own nfts like the apes and uh again i don't know about this cool cats or world of women anyway all these kinds of things basically they can all sort of interact with each other and do stuff in the in the metaverse um and it will be free for other characters to come in as well um and i think this is quite interesting because you know they say that they're trying to make the or in a way sort of democratise the, the whole, um, you know, metaverse. And it's not a walled garden model, which is being pursued at the moment by certain other big um, te- technology companies. So, um, I, you know, I think that this overall, my, my conclusion to this is, it sounds kind of interesting um, because I do think that, that the metaverse is, is an in, you know, is an interesting concept. Uh, and it does look like it is going to happen but I just wonder where uh, but um I would say, as a parent, for instance, I personally quite like the idea of walled Garden because um, if you feel yeah uh, you know, especially like with kids and things going online, um, I would rather have um, a a big well known company that is you know can be held accountable for what's going on within its, within its the confines of its own mini metaverse. Um, I would prefer that than a, a sort of all comers are welcome um, because then, you know, potentially I, I would have thought things can kind of get out of control. Um, but I think it's, you know, it's interesting. I think that, um, you know, this is an alternative model, I guess, uh, probably maybe even cheaper might even make them more money because um, people, you know, uh, companies will pay for access to this. Um, and, you know, it's interesting how they're talking about the democratisation of, of the metaverse when actually, only recently they sold plots of virtual land in Other Side for $300 million. Uh, Blimey. So, you know, and it is quite interesting to hear every now and again, I mean, I, I think recently um, I put in Watson's Daily about uh, I think it was HSBC um, had bought uh, some plot of virtual land in metaverse. I mean, god knows what they're going to do with it but um but yeah i mean it's it's interesting i mean do you do you have any thoughts on this i mean i think the metaverse itself is almost
1: an advancement of the reality that we've been living in over the yeah. last year and a half and that it's it's bridging the gap between in-person and virtual meetings but as you say mm-hmm. um, there's issues over over high costs um over privacy concerns you know you raise the um, the sort of the relevant case study the fact that you're a parent you know that it's people businessmen because or corporations could potentially mm. enter these um these sort of open rooms as such mm-hmm. and, um, and and be manipulated by other companies that are more informed so obviously how mm. do you how do you protect yourself and or you and or secure your company's assets mm. um, from from those situations so i mean i think it's the the issue, sorry, that there's a strength of a walled garden, as you say, would increase accountability on companies and individuals, but it inhibits the the, the chance of opportunity and the chance of, of seizing um, new trends, as you say, you know, picking up on, on new NFTs, um, which, as we know, as we you know rightly know with everything in, in, in finance, finance the, the faster that you are and, and the more the greater your accessibility, mm. um, in all likelihood, the more profit you're going to make. So it's an interesting concept, and I think it's it's one that you know will continue to develop. Um, mm
0: moving forward indeed we'll see that now um let's just quickly talk about um the, the third thing i was i was going to say which is, which is about peloton now the reason why i didn't sort of make it a main, the main thing that i was talking about is because i know that i've been mentioning it recently but it fell the share price fell by 20 percent uh in trading yesterday i personally think peloton is toast um because um i feel that it just can't put a step right at the moment from having been a a lockdown hero. um, I think it's, it's, you know, it's becoming a, um, a rebound zero. There you go. (laughs) Um, I don't know where this is coming from today. Um, I haven't even had a second cup of coffee, but anyway, um, I do feel that with, um, with, with Peloton, they've done really, really well, but um, you know, we had recently there was that story about them, um selling rusty bikes um they have had problems with um with their management so the founder guy went from chief exec and chairman to going to become chairman leaving the space for an outsider to come in to be ceo Um, and then we've had we've had you know all over the last uh, however many months we've had um that thing where with the you know sex in the city bloke um big dying um having done I mean obviously uh, you know his character dying rather um in, in Sex in the City after having exerted himself on a on a Peloton and then you know that was bad news but then they I think their PR team or something came back really well with that thing where he there was like an epilogue thing where he was actually with um his favoured instructor um and you know drinking a glass of wine sort of implying that you know if if that uh you know if you if you uh if you exercise with 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 a peloton you can you can end up uh in in you know with a with a lovely uh instructor like me um but then only to be <laughs> only to be then found out to have been rather hands on um with some of his fellow actors and actresses um you know previously um, to be kind of cancelled, I guess. Um, so I mean, they couldn't even they couldn't even catch a you know catch a break from that. Um, so I I just think this is going this is going to zero fast, and I think they need to take some drastic measures um, to make sure that they even survive. Um, so I think that you know it may have to be that um, the uh, the che- you know the, sorry the chairman who's got these these shares that uh, have outsized voting rights for him, he's going to have to try and maybe even that out with, with shareholders. But really, you know, there's been a lot of talk about other um, tech companies like Apple, like um, Alphabet, Google, um, coming along and buying uh, buying them. <clears throat> but I would say there's no hurry to buy, because it's if you wait a few weeks, it's going to be a lot cheaper. Um, so it's a case of who's going to who's going to blink first in, in the ra- you know in the race to the bottom so i really i you know i do think that it's uh, it it can't survive as it is i think someone needs to buy it someone needs to buy it mm. and i think that it's i would i think it'd be better off being bought by a tech company than it would being a pr- private equity because it to my mind and i have said this before the value of peloton is not in its bikes it's in its community and as long as you can maintain a community and keep the community intact, that is a community into which one could sell. So that's what I think that, uh, uh, say, a, a tech company could do well. Because I don't know, you could create, uh, let's say, if your your um, Google, um, whatever you can, you could, um, you know, connect Fitbit, and you know, do you know what I mean? You could connect all your yeah. all your devices and things. Apple's the same. I'm not sure about Whoop because I, I, I don't know so much about Whoop, but Whoop seems to be the thing these days um, and I'm just seeing it a lot. So, I mean, maybe that, who, who knows, you know? But, um, but anyway, I, I think that really what it needs to do, um, it needs, it can't just stay on its own. It needs someone in and it needs, it doesn't need just like a silent partner because that's what they sounded like they were looking for the other day. Like, a, you know, uh, we would like, we're putting up a stake of 15 to 20% for sale. But, yeah, you know, they, they, you don't need a silent partner. They need someone to go in and perform drastic surgery on that company. Otherwise, there's going to be nothing left, in my in my humble opinion. Um, but I don't know. Are you a Peloton fan after all that? Are you a Peloton fan? <laughs> no, I'm not. I, I
1: prefer to go for a run outside or cycle yeah. outside, which I, yeah. I actually think is probably the key issue here. I think you make you make an interesting point about being acquired by a tech company and not bought out by a, or, or taken private by a productivity firm, given the fact that tech companies often have a far larger consumer base mm. and, and, and potentially far greater push power. Um, mm. But I think an, an interesting comparison to Peloton is, is that of
0: mm-hmm. companies
1: really profited um, mm. of changing consumer trends during the pandemic and that people stayed inside. They weren't allowed to go to the office. They were only allowed out um, for walks for only half an hour, an hour a day. So Peloton really thrives. But as you suggest, you know, they've not expanded much. Neither have Zoom. The market's become more competitive. Mm. I think people, people now think that Peloton actually, that the bikes themselves are quite expensive for what mm. they actually are. Mm. Um, when, if, it's, if all it is is a community, can you not join onto that community from your own bike?
0: Mm. Um, they've had a few
1: issues with, um, with supply and demand as per you know, global companies, with one of their bikes actually having rust on it, which suggests mm. it's not been made um, made in their, in their sort of production line and factory, it's been purchased mm. and then remodeled. Um, mm. But I think we we saw recently that you know you talk about Peloton changing its model. They've um, they've abandoned a new four hundred million dollar factory in Ohio, um, mm-hmm. and they've they've um, they've reduced their workforce by two thousand eight hundred, which um, according to the FT has reduced their cost by eight hundred million dollars. So. That mm. suggests that they are taking drastic action and that actually mm. the company itself knows that things need to change. But mm. the question is, and, and, and maybe the, the, the process and the analysis is that should this have happened six months ago when they mm. had extra capital, um, when they had more support, people were using Peloton and, and that community was still there? Because, as you say, if the community is disbanding and people aren't looking to Peloton, um, mm. for, their, for their, um, their sort of exercise or, or their activities, then have they, have they already failed? Because it's mm. so hard to get that community back once it starts mm. being discouraged. Um, mm.
0: Yes. I mean, I think they are tight. You know, I do feel that fitness, to me, I think it, it becomes more successful if you can build that, um, you know, if you can actually build that feeling of community. Um, I mean, I I would say again, I forgot whether I've said this on a previous podcast, but you know, I I'm actually member of a, of you know like a one of those 24 hour gyms, um and I'm also I also do uh, CrossFit, right? And you know, I think again I've probably said this before. CrossFit is a bit like almost like a quasi religion um, in a sense <laughs> it's got its you know it's got its own terminology and this that and the other and. Um, but and you know, actually, our our gym, which which you you don't call a gym, is called a box. <laughs> uh, again, another terminology thing. And um, you know, and but we've got you know got, got a WhatsApp group, for instance, and there's banter and all sorts of stuff going on on that. Um, and I do feel that it's it, and actually the one I'm a member of um, is is very friendly. You know, it's so very friendly there, very encouraging. The WhatsApp group, you know, is quite interesting. Like I say, the balance going on there is also quite good as well. It makes you feel part of a community, and I think that makes it a. It it makes you feel a bit better about paying it because it ain't cheap. So that's one thing. It makes you feel better about paying because you're Mm. getting something from it. Um, But it also, and it also feels like less of a commodity. And I think that you know these days, when we've got so much choice, we always want to try to sort of gravitate towards things that make us feel better or give us something extra. Because I mean, obviously, I, I could, you know, I could potentially subscribe to the the, the you know the, the CrossFit newsletter and go to the go to the twenty four hour gym and do those workouts myself. Mm. Um, but it's not the same. You know, and and I would say this is someone I don't go for personal trainers. I don't go for I don't like, you know, I don't need anyone, you know, shouting in my face one more rep or something because, you know, I do push myself to the limit anyway. So but it is just quite nice to feel that there are other people there as well who are, you know, in a similar similar situation. So, you know, I I do think that if if um, Peloton can harness that that feeling of community, and and um togetherness and, and and all those kinds of fluffy words, um then I think that uh you know it it will it will have more staying power than just saying, "Hey, look at our cool bikes because they're not that they're not they 're not all that uh, i don't think mm. so yeah
1: yes, the article also made an interesting point, and in that should Peloton solely focused on high net worth individuals rather than trying to appease the mass market because mm. the bikes themselves, given that they are quite expensive i mean I, I think they're over they at least a few thousand pounds mm. um it's it's very hard for people to purchase a bike and think okay I, you know i'm going to do, only do this for one month or two months mm. peloton need to ensure that to the people that are using the bikes and becoming part of this community stay part of that community mm. and mm. is it feasible for consumers you know middle income consumers or even high you know level income um consumers mm. given the cost of living at the moment to spend mm. an extortionate amount of their disposable income on a bike which they may only spend a couple of months on or or, or mm. as part of as part of the community so mm. by by shifting their target markets, peloton may actually lower its production costs mm. and delivery costs and paying its employees because they may potentially be working less so i mean mm. that's an alternative option but obviously by reducing the amount of consumers <laughs> yeah. you're selling to the 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 environment and
0: the um the sort of the, the climate changes as, as we've said mm. i mean i think that that's that's true and that. You know, it's an interesting uh, thing to, you know, to niche down, I guess, uh, in this. Because, you know, there are there are other, you know, there are other training apps and things. You know, the one I, I always talk about is Zwift, um, for instance. And, you know, that also has a community um, element to it. You can use whatever bike you want to with that, with pretty much whatever. You know, I mean, I used to be, uh, you know, quite, do quite a lot of cycling. Um, and, uh, you know, you can connect any kind of turbo to it or a lot of a lot of turbos to it and you still get the experience for way less money um so you know there are those alternatives and therefore you know maybe it would be a good idea for them to really try to um niche down uh, into into the high end which which that makes me think that that's why maybe apple might be a, a more natural fit um but then again would apple want to be associated with a brand that is potentially failing because um if the, for instance another example of when they bought into a brand like um beats you know um do, you know, dr dre's beats um that was that brand was on the up whereas i'd say the problem with peloton is it's a brand on the way down and will apple want to be associated with that i don't mm. know
1: well what it may mean is they may they may get a um a profitable share price um for, mm. for peloton which you know is is it, is where Apple could, could profit from that. But as you say, when, when you acquire a company, these are considerations that Apple will have to, um, to, to look at and analyse mm. and, and think, will it, will it impact its consumers? I mean, in all likelihood, probably not. It, it will just elevate Apple's,
0: mm. um, F, Apple's profitability if they change the model that Peloton is working on. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, we better leave it there, I think, um, and pedal away into the distance <laughs> um, uh, to then uh, come back again tomorrow. Um, but anyway, thank you very much indeed, Sam. Uh, interesting discussion today. Um, and uh, thank you very much for listeners, for listening. Um, if you like this podcast, please, please, please give it a, 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 um, you know, a rating, um, and ideally a written rating. That would be great. Um, and, uh, you know, really do appreciate that. Thank you very much indeed. We'll be back again tomorrow talking about more exciting stuff. Uh, see you again. Many thanks. Bye. Bye, Peter.